The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is Make It Kind. M.I.P. With Massimella Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, we're honored to have with us today a veteran journalist who's covered a wide range of topics, food, health, education, religion, public policy, the arts, Senior reporter for Civil Eats, regular contributor, NBC News, History Channel, Outreach, former staff writer for Vox, Los Angeles News Group, USA Today. She's also appeared in The Guardian, BBC, Business Insider, Huffington Post, The Atlantic, and The New York Times. And we are happy to have her here today because we're going to talk about her latest book, recently published, entitled... Tony Morrison's Spiritual Vision, Faith, Folktales, and Feminism in Her Life and Literature. Nadra Niddle joins us. Nadra, hello, how are you? Welcome to Make It Plain. Hi, thank you for having me. I, I'm doing well. Yeah, that's good, that's good. And congratulations uh, on the book. Tell us a little bit about um, what inspired you to write about Toni Morrison? What impact she had on you in your life? So Toni Morrison died in 2019. And two years before her death, an editor at a magazine called America Magazine, which is a, a Catholic publication, reached out to me because it was the 30th anniversary of Beloved and the 40th anniversary of Song of Solomon. So she wanted me to write an article looking at the role of religion and those books by Morrison and also Morrison's religion herself. So I published that in fall 2017 and that was pretty much one of the only pieces I saw that had really explored the fact that Morrison was a Catholic or just much about her religion period. So when she died two years later, a lot of the articles that came out acknowledging her faith background actually referenced that article. And then a, a book publisher reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in writing an entire book about religion, faith, and you know other issues in Morrison's literature and in her life. And I jumped at the chance to do so. Wow, that, that's that's amazing. Um, and in in doing so, there you you found an intersection uh, between her her faith and her feminism, didn't you? Yes, I mean she was particularly interested in 
focusing on the plight of Black women and girls, and she compared their suffering to the suffering that Jesus endured. And this pattern is something that started with her very first book, The Bluest Eye, that came out in 1970 and continued, you know, throughout her body of work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you think that, because you're right, that isn't talked about or, or covered very much her faith and as you said it's its relevance through her body of work is is that something that you think was was overshadowed or is that something that we just kind of overlooked or or missed i guess focusing perhaps on other aspects of her writing well, I think Morrison is unique in the fact that she was a Catholic and so I think a lot of people didn't really ask her about that. And mm -hmm. in her book, it's not obvious. In her books, it's not obvious that she's a Catholic. She also grew up in the AME church. Her mother was AME. Her cousins were Catholic. And her exposure to those cousins led her to become a Catholic as well. But because in her books, you either have to be familiar with some of the references she's making or the books themselves aren't just focus on religion. I think that's one of the reasons people overlooked it, though some of her books, I think, discuss religion more, more than others. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess so. Now, to, and to be clear on that, so her mother was AME, you said, right? Yes. So, so where, in what church was she actually raised, Toni Morrison? So my understanding is that she would have grown up in both. She still, she continued going to church with her mother to the AME church in the Lorraine, Ohio area where she grew up. But at 12, she did make the decision to convert to Catholicism. So from 12 on, she was a Catholic when she had children, when she was around 30, she had two sons. She also baptized them in the Catholic Church. So she was a very serious Catholic, but definitely the influence of the AME Church, of Black liberation theology, those were also important influences for her and for her literature. And, and my audience has heard me talk about my religious journey. Folks, for, for Black folk, we often intersect in all these places. Uh, frankly, and I've said this before too, I went to Catholic school my whole life, but I was raised in United Methodist Church, uh, Nadra, and even the rituals, Methodism and Catholicism have very similar rituals, as a matter of fact, even a very mm -hmm. similar liturgy. So that's not a far cry. How, how did, so, well, first of all, you mentioned the mom. Were any other members of the family Catholics growing up? So her cousins, so she she never really got that specific. She just said her cousins and there was a branch of her family that was Catholic. Both of her parents were from the South. And so my understanding is that when her family took part in the great migration, you know, of African-Americans going to Northern cities, that some of her family at that point were likely exposed to Catholicism. There were a lot of immigrants, European immigrants in her mm -hmm. town, and maybe through them, um, they were exposed to Catholicism. But just like you said, a, a lot of African-American mm -hmm. children attended Catholic schools. Right. So that could have been the entryway. She never really detailed exactly how that wing of her family became Catholic, but just that okay. she saw them having these rituals. She might've seen them having their first 
you know, communion and things like that. And, and she wanted to take part of that. She said she was attracted to the rituals and the beauty of the Catholic church, the aesthetics mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and that's what made her thought go in that direction. I see. More MIP after this message. Hey there, I'm Nadia Komodo. Check out my show, Tigress, which is basically my unfiltered and unapologetic journey of being a work in progress. Like, I hope that I am authentic and I try to be as unfiltered as I possibly can. I am so passionate about what I do, from talking about periods to wanting to build community around the cause to loving the business that I'm working on. Tune in each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are streamed. You also acknowledge her, how she dealt with Afro-Catholicism. And I have, in, in my own research and experience, I found that there are a lot of things about Catholicism. Well, well there are a lot of things that Catholicism expropriated from both the African and Afro-Caribbean experience. I, I wonder if that was something that, that drew her to Catholicism as well. Yeah, I think when she was a child, I'm assuming she didn't really know much about that. But as she got older, she definitely would have known about that when she she was a book editor in mm -hmm. New York. And at that time, she really started to take an interest in African literature, mm -hmm. religion, culture overall. So at that point, she learned a lot about West African literature. And I think especially Yoruba spirituality. And in one of her books that came out in the late 1990s, I think 1997, Paradise, she really does explore those, the African influences in Catholicism and in, in different books, she even has this image of the Virgin Mary, you know, as the Black Madonna. That's something that you can see as early as her second book, Sula, which came out in the 1970s. Yeah, and 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 that is is interesting. I mean, we never, as a student myself of James Cone, we don't put Toni Morrison in the spiritual or religious or theological genre, so to speak. But her portrayal of the Black Madonna, and as you said earlier, her uh, portrayal of, of the struggles of Black women uh, being crucified as Christ, that's really right in line with the pantheon of Black theology and Black liberation theology, Nadra. Definitely. And, and James Cone, some of his women students, they ended up, you know, coming up with what they called Black womanist Christology, which really mm -hmm. did look at how Christianity could be a liberating force of, you know, or for Black women. Now, Morrison, she wasn't big into labels, so she never called right. herself a womanist or a feminist or things like that. But I think just looking at her work and also her own comments. So in the bluest eye, when she's talking about Pecola Breedlove, the little girl in that book, she says that that child was persecuted, that black women are often put up on the cross like Jesus was. Yeah. 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 And, and that's an, that's an important, um, an important statement. Uh, I, I think what you've done is critical because as I was alluding to earlier, I don't know that, that many 
have really looked um, as deeply at Toni Morrison in that way. I mean, I think especially at, at this hour of reckoning, if, if that time is not up yet, some folks say reckoning in it last summer. I don't know about that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we already got past it. But if, if there are any remnants of reckoning still around, I mean, I think this is an important conversation to have. I definitely think it is important because I think one of the things Morrison was trying to do with the Black Madonna, even she explores, you know, the Blackness of Jesus as well. That conversation comes up briefly, but it does appear in the bluest eye how Pecola's father never imagined that Jesus could be a Black man. So she's dealing with those concepts from her, her first book onward. But I definitely think it's important because so many Black people, you know, either don't know about their ancestral traditions mm-hmm. or view them very negatively. And I'm someone, I'm actually, so my mother's African-American Baptist from Tennessee. My father is Nigerian from the mm-hmm. Yoruba people specifically. So all of this, you know, content in the book, you know, is personal for me as well. So speaking of which, how how has Toni Morrison um affected your personal journey when it comes to spirituality? So I'm a, a journalist now, but in college, I I majored in English. I actually double majored in English and American studies. So I pretty much read all of Morrison's books during my studies. I went on to get a master's degree in teaching English and comparative literary studies. And so I looked at her works again So when I got the first opportunity to write about her, I was very excited just because I was so familiar with her body of work. Now, when I was younger, I didn't necessarily understand some of the faith traditions she was talking about as much. So, you know, some of the West African spirituality, as I've gotten older, I've made a concerted effort to learn more about that, specifically the Yoruba traditions. Mm -hmm. And... Even she's talking about African-American folk traditions like hoodoo. And I, you know, and I guess voodoo comes up, I think, a little bit, too, but mostly Mm -hmm. hoodoo. And I, you know, those are all things I'm much more familiar with now than I was back when I was a college student. Okay, okay. More MIP after this message. Well, speaking of this moment we're living in, speaking of this reckoning, what would you most like your work about Toni Morrison to impart? Where, where would you like, how would you like it to land uh, within our hearts and minds? Well, definitely, I think she deserves a place in terms of influential Catholic writers. She's not typically included when, we, when we're talking about famous Catholic writers, because usually we're talking about, you know, Irish Catholics or just a, other white Catholics. So I definitely think she deserves to be recognized as an influential um, Catholic, just like someone like Flannery O'Connor would be. Mm. But um, I also think she deserves credit for having this image, not just showing Black girls and women being persecuted, but she also tried to show them as divine. She really explored the divine feminine, hence her images of the Black Madonna that appear in Sula, that appear in Paradise. 
and other books. And now we're seeing people like Beyonce kind of playing with that imagery. And right. you know, when Beyonce was pregnant with twins, she kind of did a photo shoot where it looked like she was trying to present herself as the Black Madonna. So mm -hmm. I think in popular culture, this has kind of caught on. Um, Beyonce has also dressed up as some of those Yoruba deities as well. So I think this is something that Morrison played a role in popularizing, even if she doesn't get credit for it. She was very concerned that African-Americans were kind of moving away from their ancestral traditions and beyond religion, even just folk tales. She was concerned right. that these things were being lost and she wanted her books to be a way or to be a vehicle that preserved those traditions. Yeah, very, very important. Uh, she also, did I understand, she also, uh, before she passed, had a desire to meet Pope Francis. Is that the case? I don't know if she wanted, I'm sure she would have met him had she had the chance, but she was kind of a lapsed Catholic. So when she was asked uh, about religion in the last years of her life, it sounded like she was saying she kind of did her own thing, that maybe she still considered herself a Catholic, but I don't think she was a practicing Catholic. Maybe she mm -hmm. went to church on holidays, you know, maybe she was a Christmas Easter only Catholic. I'm not sure. But she said that she was really moved by, um, you know, the words and the actions of Pope Francis. And he was someone who could lure her back to church. And I assume, you know, one of the reasons for that is because, you know, she was influenced by Black liberation theology. And also, you know, there's Catholic liberation theology, which also prioritized the uplift of the oppressed people. And, you know, it posits yeah. that. If, you know, if you're a person of faith, you have a responsibility to help other people, help oppressed people um, get free, to take action against injustice. And I think that's what she liked about Pope Francis. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So th there really is much more to Black girl magic than just a term, isn't it? Oh, definitely. So magic, <laughs> magic is the other thing that comes up in Morrison's books, because she grew up in the family where she, you know, she said her mother had the gift of foresight or her grandmother, you know, that they all had a very strong sixth sense. Once when she and her sister were small children, like two, three years old, they had been exposed to tuberculosis the doctors recommended that they be put in a sanatorium. And the mother, um, her mother's name was Rama Wofford, said no, that, you know, her intuition was telling her not to put her children um, in one of those facilities because she didn't think they would make it out alive. And so she didn't do that. And um, I was going to call her Chloe because Toni Morrison was born Chloe. So at that time she was Chloe and her sister mm -hmm. Lois, they made it out alive. And it turns out that back then, this was in the 1930s, the doctors did not have um, a cure for tuberculosis at that time. And if they had been placed in a sanatorium, they may not have made it out alive. So that was something that really affected Morrison 
and that she continued talking about in interviews late in her life. Mm. Um, that she she believed that her mother had the gift of foresight. And you see that in many of the characters as well. Um, you see it in the bluest eye on. And, you know, she also believed people had prophetic, her family members had prophetic dreams. Her mother had visitations, you know, from ghosts. She, she believed um, in, in all of that. Yeah, she never yeah. said she had those abilities herself, but she certainly credited her family members with having those spiritual gifts. Amazing, amazing. Well, well this is this is important. And folks, as, as we say in the church, uh, every round goes higher and higher. Uh, mm -hmm. What you've done, uh, Nadra, is, is again, contribute to this whole conversation. Um, you know, I, I probably about 20 years ago now when, well, even more recently than that, I remember when Pope John Paul II passed away mm -hmm. and I was covering it on the show and me and several other black Catholic scholars were talking about the, the ritual and how it mirrored, um, the, the burial and veneration of a Pharaoh, even down to the miter and the shepherd's crook. Uh, and there were white Catholics who got mad at us. You know, because they didn't want to acknowledge, you know, Catholicism's um, roots to some extent in in um, in African antiquity and African spiritual antiquity. Um, a lot of folks don't want to talk about that. Um, but I think what you have done is add to that conversation. What is what are undeniable traits and characteristics? Everything comes from us anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and that Pope John Paul II, after all, as many Polish do, Poles do, um, venerated the Black Madonna, kissed the feet of the Black Madonna when he prayed every morning. Um, mm. Folks didn't want to talk about that, but that's documented. Um, and so um, I think what you've done by um, pointing out Dr. Morrison's work uh, and elevating that in this conversation, again, that even helps people to understand the truth about where we all come from. So. I, I definitely commend you for that. And, and folks, I would encourage all of you uh, to share this. It, it's also too important, Nadra, because we talk about black girl magic and all these things. We know that black women and especially black young women and girls uh, nowadays are, uh, are more targeted on social media, uh, are more abused on social media and harassed online. Um, all of this affects the, the self-esteem uh, and the, the, the self-security of black women and girls, anything that helps black women and girls see themselves in the way Toni Morrison would have them see themselves helps, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I think something else that I, I neglected to mention that Morrison really showcased was just black women as healers Black mm. women, you know, using their botanical knowledge that had been passed on, you know, from Africa to the Americas and using that to, to heal themselves, to heal their communities. That was also something that had occurred in her own family. And again, she has many of these healing women, medicine women, whatever you want to call them, um, in her literature. That's right. That's right. In fact, when we were enslaved, um, the doctor wasn't always nearby, but Massa would call some of those black women uh, yes. and ask for some help, you know. Yes. 
Some of them were nice enough to help. Some of them were were even better to let Massa and Miss and Miss Ann die. But uh, <laughs> but be that as yeah. it may, you're right. That, uh, all, all of that, the the original apothecaries, the original medicine women. You're absolutely right. No, this is this is uh, this is a powerful piece. I really want to thank you for this and commend you, folks. We want to encourage uh, all of you to check out Toni Morrison's spiritual vision, faith, folk tales, and feminism in her life and literature, probably a perspective and a side of Toni Morrison that you may not have immediately recognized or, or given a lot of weight to. But if you have read her works, you have seen it, as our dear sister has described, embedded in her work. Uh, but she brings it uh, up to full life and full recognition in a way no one has done and has even elevated our dear beloved ancestor, Queen Mother, uh, to the level of of being um, or of of the argument to be considered as much a Catholic writer as other great Catholic writers like Flannery O'Connor, et cetera. And why not? Any reactions yet from the Catholics in academia or the theological scholarship community about that case, about, about Toni Morrison being a Catholic writer? Well, one of the people who endorsed my book, he, he's... Well, I've had I, a couple of people, they weren't in academia, that they were Catholic writers who endorsed my book. Yes. But the, the person in academia who endorsed my book, he is a scholar of religion, but not Catholic in particular at Rutgers University. So the yeah. fact that I, you know, have endorsements from Protestants, Catholics, mm -hmm. you know, and just scholars, whether they're affiliated with the religion or not, you know, is something that I really appreciate. And well, I should, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead, finish, please. Oh, and I should say, you know, the magazine, America Magazine, the Jesuit Magazine, they've been, I, they've been very helpful in, in promoting my book as well. So I should give them credit too. Amazing. Yeah, we, and we need to have you, have you been invited to speak at, at my alma mater, Georgetown University yet, where they are dealing with the reckoning of their role in enslavement? Oh, yeah. No, I have not. But yes, I'm familiar with, you know, the, the reparations, you know, that they, they have offered to the descendants of, of people, uh, the enslaved people whose labor they used. Yeah. And, and obviously embedded in that story is the story of Black Catholicism. Yes. Um, and, and countless descendants of those individuals who were sold into uh, Louisiana and Maryland, other places. I mean, we are, we know of black descendants of those enslaved by Georgetown uh, that are still around and, yeah. and, and Catholic families at that. So yeah, this is a, yeah, th this, this is something folks that we need to include uh, in all of our libraries. So uh, folks, we encourage you uh, to check it out and support our dear sister, uh, her book, Toni Morrison's Spiritual Vision, Faith, Folk Tales, and Feminism in Her Life and Literature, uh, Nadra Nittle. So Nadra, what's, what's next for you? What's the next book you're working on? So I don't know if I can publicly talk about my next book yet. All I will say, I'm, I'm working on a book. It's about African-American culinary traditions and culinary history. So I think that's about all I can say about it at this point. Well, sister, whatever it is, you keep it up. We need folks. Uh, while the rest of us are running around out here like chickens with our hair cut off, we need folks like you who are disciplined 
and who are writing these books for us to read to elevate ourselves. So we do appreciate you, okay? <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate you too. All right, thanks for joining. Folks, again, Tony Morrison's Spiritual Vision, all right, folks, is, uh, is the title of the book, Faith, Folk Tales, and Feminism in Her Life and Literature. It's all there, and Nadra know uh, chronicles all of it for us. Thank you, Nadra. Thank you. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain.